Welcome back to The Compass, the podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue studying God's Word. Now, for the past several weeks, we have been looking at the life of David. And on today's podcast, I have the opportunity to share about Psalm 23, about David and his shepherd. If you're looking for a church home, a place to connect with other believers and serve, let me invite you to check out Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville. We're located at 1410 North Porter Road, and you can find out more information at calvaryfayetteville.com. You can email us at info at calvaryfayetteville.com or call us at 479-442-4634. Again, on today's podcast, I have the opportunity to share one of the most beloved psalms, Psalm 23. Let's listen together. Let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn them to two different passages. We're going to look at Psalm 23. That's going to be our primary text as we talk about David and his shepherd. Last week we looked at Psalm 19 as Pastor Kurt shared with us another psalm written by, by David. And today we're going to look at one that's very common. You may have it memorized or a portion or a few lines of it memorized. But again, Psalm 23. We're also going to look at John chapter 10, verses 14. Actually, we'll probably start at verse 11 um, and look through verse 18 there. Now, if you've ever watched a movie or a TV show with a graveside service, you have probably heard a portion of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, or though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. One of those two phrases has probably been shared, and so it is a part of our culture. We know that phrase, we know the, that passage. Your friends may not be able to name it by its biblical address, but they have heard at least a portion of it. In fact, of the top seven most famous Bible verses of all time, by BibleVersesNow.com. Psalms 23.1 comes in at number two. Um, in a May 23 article uh, of Crosswalk.com, Psalm 23.1 is listed as the eighth most popular verse in 2023. It is a part of, of what we know and what we hear. We connect that to faith, and especially for those of us of the Christian faith, we have seen that passage of Scripture um, James Montgomery Boyce says millions of people have memorized the psalm. Even those who have learned few other scripture portions, ministers have used it to comfort people who are going through severe personal trials, suffering illness, or dying. For some, the words of this psalm may have been the last that they have ever uttered in this life. I have shared it during funeral services myself. I've spoken um, about the passage. It's common in the sense that we know it. But have we taken time to read it, to embrace it, to see what David has written here and see what God has for us? You know, it's easy to see why Psalm 23 ranks among the top 10 on both lists. These verses provide hope and healing in dark times in a variety of situations. In fact, you may have drawn comfort from the psalm yourself when someone you know has faced illness or death. I think one of the things that I like is that it seems to be 
one of those passages that kind of jumps over the denominational lines. When I was in Baptist Hospital, I would see it on the wall, but when I've been in St. Vincent's down in Little Rock, I would see this on the wall as well. There's no question that the Lord is our shepherd as we talk and look at this. Now, while the comforting words of the psalm are impactful, there's an even greater reason that this psalm brings hope to us as Christ followers. That is one of the big things that I hope we'll learn today. We must always remember to look at the context in original audience as we understand Scripture. So as we look at this, we need to understand that this is David writing the psalm. We don't know for sure if this was during his shepherd years or during his uh, kingly reign. We don't know that. But let me illustrate why this is important. Back in 1996, my father was diagnosed with a brain tumor. It was a scary time for all of us. And as I sat and thought about this uh, this past week, I realized he wasn't even 50 years old at that point. Temple and I had just moved to Texas so that I could begin my seminary training at the BMA Seminary in Jacksonville. And being a young married man, I looked to my father for leadership and guidance. While I trusted that God was in control, I stood and killed couldn't help but think what was God doing in these moments when my dad had been diagnosed with a brain tumor. However, my father expressed a greater sense of trust in what God was doing. As he approached doctor visits and even the hospital stay, he would share how God was in control during that time. His expressions of faith and trust bolstered my confidence in God. God gave us another 14 years with him after that, and as my dad thought, back, uh, dad thought back and shared that experience, all of our faiths were bolstered. A few years later, November 16, 2000, as my father started dealing with the effects of degenerative arthritis in his back and his knees, he wrote something that expressed his heart of faith and trust. I want to share that with you. Never thought of my dad as a poet, so it's not really a poem, uh, but it were some thoughts that he jotted down and shared. Again, remember, this is my dad sharing. I said, Lord, make my knees better that I may walk better. The Lord said, I've given you automobiles to get around in. I said, Lord, make my eyes better to see more clearly. The Lord said, I've given you glasses that you might be able to see and to read my word. I said, Lord, make my back better that I might be able to do more for you. And the Lord said, I've given you a strong mind and experience that you might tell others. I said, Lord, make my voice sweet that I might sing sweet praises to you. The Lord said, all songs of worship are sweet music in my ear, and your voice is good to spread my message by phone or verbally. I said, Lord, if you love me, you would make me feel better. The Lord said, my son died on the cross for you that you might have eternal life and a glorified body just by believing in me. I said, Lord, I love you. Thank you for loving me so much. Yeah, isn't it? My dad was far from perfect, but as a leader in my life, my faith and trust were encouraged and strengthened because I knew that one of the leaders in my life was trusting God in good times and in bad. We shared that um, at his funeral. Um, I, for a long time, I don't know if it's still up on the wall, but at my mom's house, we had printed this out. When the leaders in our lives verbally or actively express their faith in God, it gives us strength. 
You might think, I'm not a leader. Let me tell you that we are all leaders. There is someone looking your direction that's hoping to understand life better by watching you and what you do and what you say. Maybe a coworker, maybe a family member, a neighbor, or a friend. I've had students over the years say, well, I'm not a leader. There's somebody younger than you looking into your life and saying, I want to be like that. So we need to realize that we're all leaders. It's important that we understand that being a leader is all about influence. As we influence, we, say, we need to ensure that we are godly leaders because of this truth. Truth. We find hope and encouragement in the testimony of godly leaders. As they tell their stories, as they show how God has worked in their lives. I think a lot about some of the mission leaders that we've had. And if you look online, go to BMA Global, you'll hear the testimony of Jerry Kidd, who is a longtime missionary. He worked with Missionary Care most recently, uh, but he worked with the Foreign Missions Director. He's just a, a kind man, a man that just loves on others. But his testimony, even as he faces difficult times, brings me hope, brings me encouragement, bring, strengthens me. Well, what we need to understand is we look at Psalm 23. This is an example of a leader sharing his testimony for the purpose of hope and the purpose of an encouragement. As they would see this passage in the years to come, this wasn't just about uh, something that they could say, the Lord is my shepherd, and repeat and say, that's, that's my life. This was David writing. This was David sharing. And this was King David. So the people drew encouragement from that. Before we go any further, let me, let me share this passage. Let's, let's look at it together. Psalm 23. The Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Pastor Kirk and I both like a commentary writer by the name of Kent Hughes. He focuses in a great deal on what we need to know about Jesus in these passages. And he writes, David himself was the shepherd of Israel. In Psalm 23, David is also a sheep. The Lord is his shepherd. A greater shepherd cares for him. Again, this was the leader of Israel. As the people read this, as they sang this, they were singing a song that was, my leader, our leader says that the Lord is my shepherd. Ken Hughes goes on, this helps us understand Psalm 23. Historically, what it would have meant to the ancient Israelites. The message was that God cared for their king. And why would this have mattered to them? By watching over David, God was watching over all of Israel. The life of the people was bound up in their king. And when David prospered, the nation prospered. So Psalm 23 is about God caring for his people by caring for their king. Through David, God himself was the true shepherd and king over all his people. 
It's unknown when uh, precisely that David composed Psalm 23. But most scholars assume he wrote it early in his life before coming, became, becoming king. Some scholars speculate that David composed it during his reign. And we just don't know. The first half of the psalm, it seems like David may have written it during his youth because of the references to the shepherding life. But I think that he drew from that experience. Spurgeon believes that he may have written it during his reign. I like to recall, he says, I like to recall the fact that this psalm was written by David probably when he was a king. He had been a shepherd and he was not ashamed of his former occupation. Remember that being a shepherd was a lowly job. It was a job that the youngest did. It was the one that, that they put out in the field and, and did those things. But from that experience, King David saw that the Lord was his shepherd that was guiding him throughout his life. So while there is great encouragement in David sharing his trust and faith in the God of the universe, there are truths and encouragement that we can all find in the short and well-known psalm that I want us to look at today. Before we get into the heart of our passage, I want to address the first part of this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. One of the most well-known phrases in all of Scripture is where I want to start. That two-letter word, the Lord is my shepherd. And again, this is King David writing and saying that he is my shepherd. But so often we look at this and we think, well, I'm going to read this. I'm going to embrace this. But if the Lord isn't your shepherd, you can't say that. It's like for many of us. Growing up, I would have different song leaders along the way say, don't sing this if you don't mean it. And I thought, okay. But how many times uh, did we sing, I have decided to follow Jesus, but there was no following Jesus that day or that week? How many times have we sang, I surrender all, but no, we're hanging on to things ourselves? So we have to begin with this phrase and even with this little word. The Lord is my shepherd. There's a lot of good stuff that follows and a lot of stuff that, that David is talking about and he's sharing here in this passage that we want to know, that we want to embrace, but we must begin with this two-letter word, my. The Lord is my shepherd. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18 There the Bible says this, I am the good shepherd, and this is Jesus talking. The good shepherd lays down his life for sheep. He, is, he who is a hired hand and a, not a shepherd, he does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the, the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. We love his word. 
And in this passage in the New Testament, Jesus is saying that I am that good shepherd. I'm the one that you need to know. As, even as David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, he's writing about Jesus. He's writing about this coming king that is the good shepherd that knows his own and his own know him. That's the important thing for, for us to answer. Is he your shepherd? Do you know him? That's where we must start today as we look at this passage of Scripture. Have you made a public profession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? We need to take that step. Often we're reluctant. We think, well, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to stand in front of everybody. I don't want to admit that I, you know, I, I walked an aisle when I was a kid, but, but I realized I didn't really accept Christ. I just got wet in the baptismal waters. We need to be ready and willing to say, I didn't do that. I need to do that today. Is he your shepherd? Do you know him? Does he know you? How do we know the answer to these questions? By answering a couple of more. Do we know the shepherd's voice? Do you recognize that voice? It's a good voice. It's a voice of peace and encouragement. It's a voice of direction. And as we look at God's word, it is a voice of hope. But if we don't know that voice, if we haven't encountered, embraced that voice, then we don't know him. The second is, do we obey the shepherd's voice? When you come across a truth in God's word with a clear application in your life, you say, that's great, but that's for that other person. Or do you say, I need to make this change. That's what God is calling us to do. God is calling us to listen to his voice, know the voice, and then obey the voice. I remember, and I couldn't find my notes on it, but just this idea that in the Hebrew culture, this concept that for somebody to really hear something means that they heard it, they embraced it, and they obeyed it. So do you hear the shepherd's voice. And for us, are we obeying the shepherd's voice? If the answer to one or both of these questions is no, then we need to evaluate where we are in our own spiritual journey. And it's really not hard to rectify. We have to realize that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that we need to make that choice, that we need to accept Jesus Christ and trust Jesus as the sacrifice and solution to our sins. Now, I often make reference to Romans 3.10, 3.23, 5.8, 6.23, Romans 9, 10, and 13. We know that as the Roman road. And you can work your way through that and show anybody, and it's up here on the, the board, show anybody their need for a Savior. But perhaps you just need to jot that down, look at those verses yourself, and evaluate where you are in your relationship with Christ. Do you hear, do you know the shepherd's voice? Are you obeying the shepherd's voice? As we look in 1 John, we understand that if we're not loving people, if we can't love the brethren, the, those that are a part of our church body, then we may not know Jesus. We need to evaluate where we're at and start by making that change to make him our shepherd. Not our shepherd in the, the plural, but individually. I had to make Jesus my shepherd. And I have to make that choice every day, even as I get up. Not for salvation, but am I going to follow my shepherd today? 
Or am I going to follow my own desires, my own plea, uh, uh, things that are in my life? Claiming Jesus as your great shepherd is where life really changes. It's that, that point where we can look at Psalm 23 as a promise, not just to David, but to us. We can join with David. <coughs> Again, Psalm 23 is written by David. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. But if we want to join him in that promise, in the promises that we find here, then we must begin by making the Lord our shepherd. So let's look at, at three areas uh, quickly this morning, just spending some time with this passage and what it can mean to us. But understand that if you don't take care of that first part, then the rest of it just really doesn't mean much. So the first thing that I want us to look at is that the Lord provides for our needs. Verses 1 through 3, and I'll read those again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus provides for our needs that are in our life. Now, we think of needs, we often immediately think, well, I've got to pay my rent, I've got to pay for groceries. In this society, we've got to have gas so we can get from our job um, back to the house and maybe a couple other places. There we think about these needs, and there are some definite needs that are in our life that we have to make sure that we have the funds and the resources to take care of. But there's so much more to our needs. Our needs are what, who we are in the heart. The first need is Jesus. And we talked about that um, <clears throat> just a moment ago, and that's where we start. But in this passage, we see three things. We see that he will provide rest, true rest in him. I've been plugging all along in life for these last few years, as many of you have, working our way through the pandemic, political problems, uh, financial issues, health. I mean, the list goes on, and we can feel way down, bogged down by all of that to the point where we don't feel like we can rest at all. And we're stuck just moving through the cycle like we're a mouse on a little wheel, just round and around and around. But when we go to the Father, if we slow down and let him, he will help us rest. One of the interesting things is that sheep will not rest on their own. You can't order a sheep to rest. They have to be at peace. They have to have peace and the others around them be at peace for them to rest. So finding that place in your life, leaning in on your relationship with the Father. David goes on to say that um, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He le uh, leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. That's what I want. I don't know about you, but that's what I want in this life. That's the need that I need as I've felt tired, that I have felt uh, defeated at times, and I've worried how we're going to make it, what's going to happen next. As this list goes on, I want rest, and I want restoration in my life. Now, he does mention another thing. 
that if we trust the Lord as our shepherd, he's going to lead us in these paths of righteousness. Now, God's word is full of those things just there for us to find and to understand. What do we need to do? Well, as believers, we need to gather with other believers. We need to study the word. We need to embrace our relationship through prayer, through worship. We need to share our faith with those around us. Those are those paths of righteousness that God will guide us in if we'll simply stop and allow him to be the shepherd in our life. Big truth is this. God provides rest, restoration, and righteousness when we surrender our lives and make him our shepherd. Are we willing to do that? We're a very, we're a very proud people as Americans. We are very self-reliant. I remember living in Texas while I was working on my uh, master's degree at our seminary and just baffled um, by Texans. It was, it was like, it, during the time there was a, an ad, uh, ad campaign that said Texas, a whole nother country. And I, I felt like I experienced that. And um, as, as I went down to live in this little town called Kilgore, Texas, it was an oil town. They were very self-reliant people. Things, horrible things could be happening to the church members there. And I'd never get a call. They would never let me know that anything's going on. I w wouldn't even be able to just pause for them, because, uh, pray for them because they would spend that time. Oh, no, we've got it. We can do it. They're, and they would just march on. But God wants us to set aside that at extreme of an attitude, or just the, the one that we carry most of the time, that says, I can do it by myself. I need to take care of it. And to lean into him and to let him be our shepherd. God provides that rest. He provides restoration. He provides righteousness when we surrender our lives and make him our shepherd. The second thing that I want us to look at is found in verse four. The Lord is present and he protects. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, I don't know about you, but there are some scary times in life. Times when you are completely out of, everything's out of control. Um, during the pandemic, thought, what is happening here? And we try to control every little aspect of our lives. Um, whether it helped or not, I know many had their, their uh, groceries delivered to the house, and they, before they would use them, they would use wipes and clean them off to that. And uh, you know, everybody was just trying to, to make it through and to make it work and to figure it out. But we need to understand that the Lord is present and he protects. He is present in that when we face those hard times, when we face those difficulties, even as Rick and Jody are facing this hard time with Brian right now, the Lord is present. As we face some difficulties with Riley and his health, the Lord was present. And we can step through this auditorium today and we can talk about difficulties that you've faced and you could tell me how the Lord was present in those situations. Because he says... Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It's a powerful thing when God, and you realize that God is there with you. 
He also protects. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to be safe, that we have basically have put on this um, Holy Spirit force field around us. It does mean that he is there and his ways will be protected and his name will be protected. He will be there with us. The truth we find with this is that those in relationship with God as those in relationship with God, we will still have to walk through hard times, but God promises to be with us. He'll be there. You may feel alone, you may feel distance, you may feel like I'm not hearing anything from the Father, but he's there. There are times I don't know what to do. It's not like when God called me into ministry that I was like, boom, you know, given this uh, supernatural ability to, to talk to people in hospitals or to, to be there when, when people lost loved ones. But there are times when I know and that I've learned that I just need to be present. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to do anything. I just simply need to be present. And there are people in your life that you need to be that same way. And it is such an encouragement and hope knowing that God is there with us in those moments that he's just present. Well, the third area that I want us to look at today is that the Lord gives us promises. Verses five and six. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So a big part of this is an understanding that God has to be our shepherd. Understanding that we need to put him in that place of authority, that role where we allow him to guide us, that we allow him to provide and protect and to, to be present in our lives. Too often we don't allow those things. But when we do, the Lord gives promises. God's word is full of promises and hope. It all starts with humility are we willing to humble ourselves before God and say, whatever you want, God, my answer is yes. Many of us are afraid to do that. We're afraid to turn over control to someone else. But that's what God is calling us to do. Whatever situation you're in, that is what God is calling you to do. We need to understand that God gives greatly. He is our hope. He is a perfect parent. And the promises are for his children. So again, we started, the Lord is my shepherd. This all is dependent on that little two-letter word. Is he your shepherd? Have you trusted him for salvation? Are you trusting him day in and day out? Oh, there is goodness in God whether or not we are, um, belong to him. But we need to understand the promises of Scripture. The hope that we find here is all dependent on that. The message of hope is to a lost and dying world. Without him, there is no hope. So what is the truth that we find and that he gives his promises? <coughs> the promises and blessings of Scripture are for those that are found in relationship with God. Do you know him? We don't ask that enough with people in our lives. I don't ask that enough to you. Are you in relationship with God? Do you know him as Savior? That's where it starts. Are you growing in that relationship with him? Some of us may not want to claim God as our shepherd because it means that we are sheep. Sheep are not the brightest of animals. There are a couple of uh, videos. 
I was going to put them on the screen. I, I didn't. You can find them. They're out there. All you have to look for is the sheep being pulled out of a ravine, um, and then a sheep in a tire swing. I just, I'm just amazed at how stupid sheep are. And we don't want to be classified as sheep. In fact, that was one of the greatest insults that people would share during the pandemic days. Well, you're just a sheep for, for doing this or doing that. But when it comes to our relationship with God, he is the great shepherd. He is our shepherd. He is my shepherd. You know, as Americans, we like to be independent. It's part of our cultural DNA. However, God calls us to be humble and to give ourselves over to a shepherd. And he is our shepherd today. Let me leave you with this. As our great shepherd, God is present, he protects, and he provides for his people. That's what he offers to you today and every day. As he calls you into relationship, our responsibility is to receive him and then to embrace that relationship. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for who you are and how you work in our lives. I thank you for, for this church, and I just ask that you help us to be your people, that we will trust you as our great shepherd. Father, you are holy and worthy of praise. Father, I just ask that you forgive us where we fail you, and that you be with us in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, you can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.